Friday night. Your host, Larry Crane, Larry Luciato, on this smooth, beautiful evening. I'm so happy to be with everybody. Anything I say on this podcast is strictly my personal opinion, does not reflect the opinion of any other entity. It's not me speaking to you in a professional capacity or under any official title. It's just me speaking to you as a private citizen for entertainment purposes to talk about the logic. The Larrys, <laughs> the news, the truth. That's what we're here for. We got a dope guest tonight I'm very excited to bring to you. Another young person, young man, making his mark on society, which is what we're all about, isn't it? I'm sitting here broadcasting live to you from Newark, New Jersey, downtown. Looking at the New York City skyline, midtown to downtown, downtown Newark and Jersey City and everything in between. It's a pleasure to be with you. Shout outs to my homeboys, Vree, Cheney. See you. All the Jersey expats across the country, because I've realized so many of my out-of-state cats are just Jersey cats who have moved, except a few. We have some permanent cats from the Southwest and elsewhere who just decided to join us because they like what we talk about and they dig what we do. So... We've got a lot to, to, to get down to, to break down, to talk about. I had a hell of an eventful week. It's great to be with you guys, though. Make no mistake, too, right? Like, I'm doing so many things all week, right? So many different projects, so many different activities. And make no mistake, I treat every single one of the things that I do like a job. You know what I'm saying? Everything I do has a deadline, whether it's a hobby or not. Everything has a responsibility. Everybody I'm communicating with, whether it's a side sports show, whether it's a political podcast like this, whether it's a writing activity, it's a job to me because I'm trying to make myself relevant, right? I'm trying to leave my mark on the world. I'm trying to make something of myself. And it might sound funny because you might think, well, you already made something of yourself. Well, yeah, from where I came from, I already made something of myself, but you think I'm satisfied with that? I'm not satisfied with that. <laughs> to me, that's just step one or step two on a huge climb all the way up a mountain, right? That's Mount Everest, and I'm at the very damn bottom. I haven't done anything. So everything I do is a job. Everything I do, I take seriously. So I had a productive week. And I prepared to talk to you today, and I'm happy to be here. And knowing what I know about you guys, all my listeners, whether you're listening live or whether you're hearing it tomorrow or the next day or the next week, I know you guys are the same way. We're all out here trying to climb, trying to make an impact, trying to make a difference, trying to do something significant in this world. And eventually we're going to break through. Eventually we're going to break through. You keep putting good energy out there. Eventually it's going to come back at you just as good as you put it out. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So let's just touch on these current events. I mean, let's just talk about it. So being that I'm sitting in beautiful Newark, New Jersey, which let's be real, Newark was a prominent city in this country for many, 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 many years. Then it kind of fell by the wayside. People forgot about it a little bit. People acted like it was... uh, not as prominent as it once was, but 
Let me just tell you something about Newark. We had VP, the Vice President of the United States, Kamala Harris, visited Newark the other day. I posted on my Instagram for those who follow me. You saw she went right down Hill Street, my street, with her caravan, looking sleek. I can tell you that President Obama is going to be in Newark tomorrow. (laughs) Former President Obama is going to be in Newark tomorrow. Some of us might wish it was current President Obama, but that's another story, right? And president, the sitting president Biden will be in Newark on Monday. So look, we Newark is a is an important place, and New Jersey is an important, important place. And all of these very, very relevant people are coming to visit Newark in the coming days and have been here in the past few weeks. And why is that? Well, Number one, it's because Phil Murphy's up for re-election, so they want to campaign for him. But more significantly, I think, number two, why is the sitting president coming to Newark, New Jersey next week? I can tell you why. Because of the same thing I've been talking about for weeks now, guys. Murphy's coming to Newark because he's pushing the bipartisan infrastructure deal. Right. He's pushing the bipartisan infrastructure deal because of what it would do for the region, for the New York City, Newark region. Right. And New York City is an island out in the Atlantic. Right. Sounds silly, but New York City is out in the Atlantic. So to get to mainland United States, you got to take a train or a car or something through a tunnel to get to Jersey, primarily Newark, to get out to the rest of the country. And what's in the bipartisan infrastructure deal would provide for new bridges for Amtrak, a new tunnel under the Hudson River. It's something we desperately, desperately need in the region. So Biden's coming here to promote that. Now, I didn't see the town hall yesterday. You know, he might be in Newark tomorrow. He wasn't at the border. I saw the whole thing where somebody asked him at the town hall, apparently, you know, why haven't you been at the border? And he said, I really just don't have the time. Don't understand that because he's, I mean, he can hop on a plane anytime he wants to go down there. We've talked about the border with Biden. He really should figure that out, go down, check it out, maybe implement an actual policy down there. That might help. I don't know. Just my opinion. But that was some controversy that came out of the town hall. Like I said, I didn't see the town hall. I try to stay away I follow the news, you know, I'm informed, I keep in the loop, but if I immerse myself too much in the political stuff, then, you know, it kind of just starts taking away from my mood and kind of taking away from how I'm feeling in general. So I don't immerse myself too much. I was watching sports last night, which, hey, being a Devils, Dolphins, Rutgers fan, sports hasn't been that kind to me either, but at least it's a distraction from that, right? So anyway, Biden's coming to Newark. He's pushing the infrastructure bill. It's very important. They're still hung up on the infrastructure bill. Right. The progressives are still saying we're not going to vote for the infrastructure bill unless you pass the Bernie bill, the human, quote unquote, infrastructure bill. And they've been in negotiations, though. Right. So Nancy Pelosi came out today, said, look, we're closer to a deal than we have ever been. We think we're going to have a deal on the human infrastructure plus the hard infrastructure we're going to get it passed by the end of the month or soon after other people were not as optimistic it remains an issue joe manchin we talked about him recently he kind of wants to strip out a lot of the environmental issues from it which is not good 
But he introduced something else where Joe Manchin's saying, look, we're spending all this money, all this money on what you call human infrastructure, which is really an expansion of the entitlement system. And one of the things he said was, you know, if you're going to, number one, if we've got to take one between pre-K, preschool education versus free college, if we can provide one or the other, free preschool or free college, we are going to go with providing free preschool. That makes sense to me because studies have shown that getting young children into educational development programs earlier can enhance vastly their overall achievement and their overall um, ability to achieve over the course of their life so much that getting them in that early education phase is really an important thing to do. Not that community college isn't, but community college, there's so many options to finance your education post high school. And there are so many alternative vocational programs and things like that, that that's not as much a priority. And I I agree with that if you have to pick between the two. The other thing Biden uh, Manchin said was, look, if you're going to do this uh, child tax credit, you better have a work requirement. And I agree with that, too. And here's why. Right. The initial cutoffs proposed for this bill for the child tax credit were somewhere in the low hundred thousands for married couples. Right. So if you make a hundred thousand and some change together as a married couple and you have kids, you're not going to qualify to get any credit, no credit whatsoever for your children. But if you make anything under that hundred and change, you're going to get the credit. But everybody over the credit is still paying the taxes to finance it. Manchin said, look, there's got to be a work requirement. Like you can get it. He said, number one, lower the threshold to 60 grand for families making 60 or lower. And number two, make a work requirement. So you can't just not be working and still collect this monthly residual payment because you have kids. You've got to at least work. So it's more of a refund. I agree with that, too, right? Because as somebody who's waiting to have children until I'm financially stable enough, I think it makes sense that, you know, why should I be penalized when I'm at the apex of my earnings and say I'm lucky enough to meet a lovely lady who makes enough to to get me over that threshold, which hopefully she will. But if she's out there, give me a call because I haven't met her. But (laughs) if I do... I shouldn't be penalized because I'm still going to be struggling. I'm still going to need the extra help. While somebody who doesn't even work, who chose to have kids without working, is going to get that monthly payment. That doesn't make sense. So I agree with that compromise, right? And I agree with lowering the threshold. 60 grand and lower is way more cognizable, right? Anybody who makes less than 60 grand and has kids, they're struggling a lot more than somebody who makes, say, 95 grand. Either make it universal so it goes all the way up to, you know, 500 grand. Or lower it all the way so it's just really payments to people who need it most. And definitely make it a work requirement. I agree with that. And here's why, right? We spend so much time talking about what people need, and people do need a lot. And there's needy people that need a lot, right? But on the other side of that, on the other side of that, there are people who game the system, right? And I was reading, and this is NPR that I read this in, right? So this isn't some right-wing media source. This isn't some uh, media source that's against the welfare state or is against progressivism or Bernie Sanders or anything. This is NPR, which is an unbiased 
media source that some people would accuse of leaning left. I don't. I think it's just straight up unbiased, but that's me. A centrist. They reported on this this terrible case of these people in California, right? They were South Asian people, so Indian American uh, people who were middle class. They had two children. They owned a home. And I think it was actually they lived in an apartment and they had a separate residence that they were able to rent out for extra income. Right. But they were paying the mortgage on this home. It wasn't like they were just skating on it like it was paid off. They were paying the mortgage on this home and they rented the home out to get some extra income for themselves to support their two children, to pay their own mortgage and to finance the property that they bought in order to rent. Well, this crazy story in NPR was the people got tenants to move in and the tenants moved in. But shortly after COVID-19 hit, they emailed them. They said, look, because of COVID-19, there's a rent moratorium. We're not paying the rent. You're not going to get rent from us. And that's that. They never showed them any proof that they were unemployed. They never showed them any hardship. It wasn't required. They didn't show it. Unfortunately for this family, they weren't collecting the rent they had counted on. And then one of them lost their jobs. And the other spouse worked for a nonprofit corporation, did not make a lot of money. And so because they weren't getting any rent money and they weren't getting one of the incomes they had counted on because of the pandemic and because they had two mortgages, the mortgage for their primary residence and the mortgage for the rental residence, They were in deep trouble and they were really, really struggling so bad that they had to move out of their primary residence and rent out their primary residence to somebody else, move way out to the desert in Southern California, move their children way out of Los Angeles area, rent a very, very cheap place just to stay afloat. They tried to talk to the tenants to try to convince the tenants to apply for the rental assistance program that was made available via the stimulus package that was passed during the pandemic. And they were told that unless the tenants themselves participated and cooperated with the assessment to get the basically these programs work by the government will give the renters the money to pay the landlord. They won't give the landlord the money directly to compensate for unpaid rent. So since the tenants refused to talk to them, wouldn't even they said they wouldn't even talk to them walking out of the house. They wouldn't make eye contact because the renters wouldn't speak to them. And because the renters wouldn't participate and apply for the assistance, the landlords couldn't partake in any of the assistance. So they were just out of luck. And then eventually the tenants moved out in the middle of the night. They stole the refrigerator. They never paid them a dime. They would have had $30,000 in rent had they paid, but they didn't pay a dime. And there's no way for the landlords to recoup the money. Now, this idea, this is why I'm going on a little bit of a tangent, but it just makes sense. This idea that everybody who owns property or everybody who's a landlord or anybody who somehow has clawed their way to a certain status in this country and then wants to you know, be a business person themselves, whether it's by way of being a landlord or opening a small business or et cetera, is somehow some blood sucking, evil, you know, capitalist person. That's just inaccurate. That's just inaccurate. Right. And some of these programs, if we don't structure them properly, can result in harming people who are clawing their way up. Instead of helping people who really need it, sometimes it hurts people who are clawing their way up. 
So we've got to be mindful of that. And so that's why I kind of understand Manchin's position on some of the stuff he's pushing for. And I hope they find a compromise, but we'll see. On the other side of things, Kristen Cinema from Arizona has now said that she's not going to support the reconciliation bill, the Bernie bill, as I call it, at all, if there's any tax increases. So she's like, no tax increases, meaning you can't increase taxes on corporations. You can't increase taxes on the wealthy. You can't increase taxes on anybody. And if you do, I won't vote for it. Now, that I don't agree with. How could you agree with it, right? Isn't the main criticism of conservative politics in this country over the past 20 to 50 years that they consistently lower taxes but continue to spend? So that basically we're doing everything we do on a credit card, therefore raising the debt. And they only care about raising the debt when Democrats are in office. Like now they're fighting over the debt ceiling again now that Biden's in office. But they didn't care when they were in office. I don't understand what she's doing. The corporate tax cuts that Trump instituted. Now, look, Trump also instituted personal tax cuts, right? And those personal tax cuts have benefited people like me. They have benefited middle class people. You probably saw it in your paycheck. They have benefited you. If you own a home in the Northeast, it might be a little different. But if not, they've benefited you, right? But the corporate tax rate, it's well known, it's well founded that the corporate tax cuts have not trickled down. They have not trickled down to everyday Americans. They have not gone to the workers. They have not gone to reinvestment on uh, research. All they've done is padded their pockets, done stock buybacks, et cetera. So I don't understand Cinema's position that she won't vote for any legislation that calls for a tax increase. I won't. I can't understand that. I can't understand that. That that is disturbing to me. I don't get it. And I'm disturbed that she's taking that position. What I really think she's doing, to be honest with you, I think what Cinema's doing, and in conjunction with Manchin, what they're doing, to be honest with you, is... I think they just want to defeat this reconciliation bill, right? I think from the beginning, and I have been somebody who's been pounding my desk or my keyboard, my piano keyboard, because you know where I'm sitting right now when I broadcast. I've been saying over, over, over again, these two bills should have never been coupled. I understand that the Bernie... AOC wing wanted them coupled because that's where all the leverage is. I understand that's where all the leverage is. I get it. Tactically, I get it. But in reality, right, objectively, they don't have the votes. They don't have the votes to pass. And I think what Cinema is doing by saying no new taxes whatsoever being honestly unreasonable. I think what she's doing is she's saying, look, I'm not going to pass it. We're going to put roadblocks up so you can't pass it. We want to pass the bipartisan infrastructure, the hard infrastructure bill, which I've, you know, my position, I'm not going to rehash it with the bridge and the tunnels and Biden coming to Newark, blah, blah, blah. You know where I stand. They're saying we're not going to pass that. Decouple them. Decouple them, right? Pass the bipartisan infrastructure bill. We dare progressives to kill it, and we dare moderate Republicans to kill it. Pass it. We're not interested in this other thing. It's a risky endeavor, though, guys. It's a risky endeavor because I see the flaws 
in the in the Bernie aspect. I see the flaws in the reconciliation bill, but I also see the benefits in the in the hard infrastructure bill. So much so, and and you know, if Rick was here, you know, Rick's always saying, "Look how much they spend on the military." So what's the big deal about spending more on entitlements? You got I, at a certain point, I got to agree with Rick. Like, if this is going to cost us the infrastructure bill then maybe we should just throw some extra spending into entitlements just to get the infrastructure bill through. I mean, stop. And I'll say it again, who I really don't understand in this whole thing is the Republicans, the moderate Republicans, the quote, problem solvers caucus. <laughs> yeah, every once in a while, Free, right? I got to agree with Rick. And I don't even know where he is. I, 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 Rick, the one night I'm talking so much about Rick and where is he? You know, where is the guy? But, uh, um, you know, you gotta pass this this see the republicans i talked to you guys before about it they're in the problem solvers caucus they're moderates you know they're all they care about the republicans in congress right now in the house is election the election of next year and it's interesting right because you see the difference between the senate and the house right senate is every six years house is every two years so you see how so many Republicans voted for the bipartisan infrastructure deal in the Senate because they're insulated. They don't have to go to they don't have to campaign next year. Right. It's such a bad system we have where the House is so focused on getting reelected in their safe gerrymandered districts. The only thing they care about is reelection. They don't care anymore about the American people. But let's face it. Nothing they do shows that they care about the American people. It's just about caring about reelection. And why do I say that? Well, because here's what they're doing. Right. The Republicans in the House, they could have easily said, the moderates, could have easily said we're going to support the bipartisan infrastructure deal, the hard infrastructure bill, right? We're going to support it. If they had done that, they would have passed it in the House. Biden would have signed it already. And Cinema and Manchin, because they don't want to vote for the reconciliation Bernie bill, could have killed that bill or at least shelved it till next year. Then the Republicans and the moderates would get what they wanted, which was the hard infrastructure bill passed and the reconciliation Bernie bill shelved. They could have done it. They had the numbers to do it. But why are they not doing it? It doesn't make tactical sense, right? Because if they don't do it, they're forcing the Democrats to pass both in tandem. Well, here's why. It's all about reelection. Here's why they're doing it, guys. Because if it doesn't pass and they can say Democrats haven't done anything, they can't get anything done and they can campaign on the fact that Democrats can't get anything done. They haven't done anything. Right. What if it does pass? Right. What if Democrats work out a deal on the reconciliation Bernie side of this and they pass the bipartisan infrastructure deal? Then what happens? Well, the moderate Republicans get what they want because they wanted the bipartisan infrastructure deal. They could go home, tell their districts, hey, I got this bridge built. I got this road built. I got this uh, environmental project built. I got this construction company working again after the pandemic. They can go sell the fact that the bipartisan infrastructure deal passed. But they can also sit there and say, look at this huge spending bill the Democrats did. Look at this Bernie bill, this reconciliation. Look at this massive expansion of the entitlement welfare system. How dare they? How dare they elect me? You know, vote the Democrats down. They're spending your money like willy nilly. They don't care about your tax dollars. They have their cake and they eat it, too. And it's nothing about the American people at all. It's only about them getting reelected. That is a shame. 
And that's where we are on that bill, though. Look, what's my prediction? My honest prediction is that I think the Democrats are going to strike a deal. But you know what? It's going to be a bad deal, right? Because Manchin's not going to give way on the environmental aspect of it, right? And Cinema's not going to give anything on the revenue side of it. So then we're going to have a bill that's not paid for by the wealthy, that doesn't include all the climate initiatives we need. It's just going to be a massive spending bill. And who eventually is going to wind up paying that bill because they didn't tax the wealthy and they didn't tax corporations? The middle class of this country in our lifetimes are going to pay for this bill. And it's not even going to have the environmental climate change impact that we all need for our future. Why? Because the people in office want to play politics because they're too selfish and they're not doing their jobs. They are committing a breach of fiduciary duty, in my personal opinion. That's what they're doing. It's a disgrace. But, you know, I wanted to talk about something else that, you know, it's so interesting what falls under the radar, right? It's so interesting what falls under the radar. You're right, Al Crane. Al Crane. What, what an interesting name. wonder who that could be. <laughs> so, you know, it's interesting um, what falls under the radar in these things. So, you know, we were looking at solutions for climate change. And it's interesting because Marcellus Counts, who's coming on the show soon, he's big into environmentalism and, and a lot of the things he's doing have that as a primary focus which is really dope which is really a good thing and i think a lot of us right if you have any common sense you know you got to care about the environment you got to care about the trajectory of the environment the climate those types of things you have to care about that so it's interesting right when when we we see what's in the media it seems that the media is consistently and constantly just putting out things that are divisive and stories that are divisive and pushing narratives that are divisive because that drives ratings and that drives clicks, right? We've talked about that and the algorithms on social media drive clicks. One of the most interesting things about this bipartisan infrastructure bill that I've seen is that in not even the reconciliation aspect, right? They keep hammering down, the media keeps hammering down that the reconciliation portion is where all the climate change legislation is. Well, in truth, there's a huge portion of the bipartisan infrastructure deal, the hard infrastructure deal, that deals with some new technology called carbon capture, right? Carbon capture. It's a new technology on a massive, massive scale where they build these plants in regions that, uh, you know, ex- that, that, that expel a ton of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. And they capture that carbon dioxide and they store that carbon dioxide deep in the earth deep in rocks. Now, you know, down the road in 200, 300 years, you're going to say, oh, there's a problem with the rocks because of all the carbon dioxide we've been throwing down. You just know that's coming, right? But regardless, we'll cross that bridge when we get there, and hopefully it's built, because hopefully the bipartisan infrastructure bill is passed, but you know. So, anyway, there's this technology, and they actually built in Iceland. No one would know, right? It's such an obscure news story. Why? Because it doesn't draw controversy, because it's such a good compromise to help solve our global warming problem but they built this facility in iceland called orca 
And it's this massive plant that sucks carbon dioxide out of the air and flushes it down deep into the earth and will help us get to a net zero carbon emission. Well, here's what's crazy. That bipartisan infrastructure bill that 19 Republicans voted for, that's bipartisan, that everybody's crying doesn't have a lot of climate action in it. Not in the reconciliation side, but in the bipartisan infrastructure side, there's a huge provision. A huge provision. It's, you know, regional infrastructure bill. It's called the Carbon Capture Improvement Act. Carbon Capture Improvement Act. It's part of the bipartisan infrastructure bill that Republicans and Democrats agreed to, and it calls for the groundwork to be laid in order to manufacture, to build four carbon capture centers in four of the regions of the United States, which put the most carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. The most excretions of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere, the regions that have the most in the United States, they want to build four carbon capture facilities in those areas. That's in the bipartisan infrastructure deal, right? So while the Republicans are out there beating their desks and saying, we don't believe in climate change, they're voting for this because it's a good way to help solve the problem. And while Democrats are saying they won't pass the Bernie bill, they're against the climate They're not voting for a big part of the bipartisan infrastructure bill, which constructs these facilities. So pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, guys. And I hope every one of you listening now live and those who listen later, go out and tell a friend, tell a family member the holidays are coming up. Share it at the dinner table about these carbon capture facilities because they're a great way that maybe we could tackle our climate problems. But they're not being discussed because they don't drive animosity. They don't drive clicks and they don't drive anger. But that's another reason why we need to pass the bipartisan infrastructure deal. We need to pass it. There is constructive solution in that bill. It's bipartisan. It needs to pass the House by a simple majority. It goes to Biden's desk. He signs it. We get shovels in the ground. It's got to happen. And I have a feeling Biden's going to be pushing that when he comes to Newark, and he should. Anyway, that's my little soliloquy on that whole issue. That's my pet issue right now. I think that's the most important issue in the country right now is these bills that they're debating, quite frankly. I think that's the most important thing we're dealing with. Some other interesting news. So so we had the terrible story out of uh, New Mexico. Terrible story out of New Mexico where Alec Baldwin fired a, a prop gun. And it killed the director of the was it the director? The director was injured, but it killed the head of cinematography. This is flashbacks to the 90s with The Crow, with Brandon Lee. You know, you'd think that after the tragedy that was Brandon Lee, they'd take more precautions with these prop guns. Interesting fact that came out, it was kind of late breaking, was that that prop gun on that set had had three other problems, misfires and other issues over the last week. And also interesting is that the workers on set of that low-budget film, a lot of the photography personnel had walked off the film earlier in the day because of corners being cut with their wages and their living accommodations. And who is Eric Huxham? You might have to call. I, I, I plead ignorance. 
you could say in the chat. But I don't know who that is. Is that another person who died of the same thing? That that's too much. I mean, you know, it's funny when you when you learn about guns. If if you've ever handled a firearm, one of the first things you learn when you handle a firearm is always treat it like it's loaded. Always treat it like it's loaded. Never point it at anybody, even if you know it's unloaded. It's always loaded. You always operate on the assumption that it's loaded. That's rule one. Now you can't really apply that to this situation right because he's acting in a movie so he's got to shoot at somebody it's part of the movie but it's still tragic and really terrible that they can't figure this out oh see yeah he was playing Russian so he was playing Russian roulette with a gun and he shot himself that's terrible too see that's just it's just terrible it's terrible what goes on yeah it's it's a I guess something does still project out of the weapon even when it's a blank and it could still kill you, which is why certain guns, even pellet guns in states like New Jersey are still a crime to possess because they could still cause serious injury. In some cases, like that tragic incident, they can cause death. So that's a terrible thing that happened with Alec Baldwin. I mean, you know, it's just, it's just a terrible tragedy. We're just in such a such a rough place in this country man, with this stuff. You had the big story, the Brian Laundry thing. Brian Laundrie, uh, they found his remains. He was he committed suicide, I guess. People are acting surprised about that. It's tragic that they couldn't hold him accountable, but what did you expect was going to happen? I mean, this has happened so many times over and over. When you didn't find him within the first week, that happened to a young lady from my hometown, Freehold, New Jersey, actually, where she was tragically murdered by a boyfriend in a domestic dispute, and then he wound up killing himself. Is that what happened, Bree? Like they just found his bones with nothing else? Is that they really saying he was eaten by a bear? And I guess that's possible. Right? I mean, this is the United States. We got bears. Is that really what they're saying? Oh, I don't know. See, I'm, I'm listening to my audience here, and I, I, you know, I don't know when to take them seriously and when they're joking around. But have fun in the comments, guys. But look, it's just tragic what goes on in this country on a daily basis. Some of the crazy stuff, like. You know, to, to be involved in a film and be a director of cinematography in a film and doing what you love and, and doing. So Vree doesn't know what he happened. So forget forget what I just said. I'm not trying to be funny. It wasn't me taking it unseriously. It was just commenting off the comment section of my podcast live. So please forgive me on that. There was no bear accusation. They just found his remains. And it's just tragic. I mean, we have consistently seen these domestic disputes where somebody tragically ends up deceased and then the perpetrator is not held to account because the perpetrator then takes their own life. We see it time and time again in mass shootings. We see it in a lot of domestic disputes and a lot of murders. It's, it's tragic. It's terrible. I will say this, though. I mean, look, until it comes out that his family actually assisted him in eluding police and assisted him in killing himself and it may well come out and if it does come out that Laundrie's family assisted in helping him get away then they should certainly be prosecuted for aiding and abetting a murder right on the other hand if they didn't have anything to do with it and the guy was just going rogue and they have to deal with the tragedy of their son killing himself plus being responsible for taking the life of somebody else then we really need to lay off of them too right like this you don't take vengeance out on somebody's family who committed a heinous act right this is the way we operate in modern society in an enlightened society you don't do that 
So unless somebody proves that they did aid and abet him in this murder, there certainly should not be any retaliation or harassment of the family. So I, I hope that doesn't continue. I've been reading that that has been gone on. Hope it doesn't. It's just a lot of tragedies. The other terrible, terrible, disturbing news that, that came out this week was about this SEPTA, which is, if you don't know, it's Southeastern Pennsylvania Transit Authority, which is really the mass transit entity that handles the mass transit uh, for the Philadelphia area, which, if you're familiar with the geography of New York, New Jersey, then you know that southeastern Pennsylvania is the Philadelphia area, whereas northeastern Pennsylvania is the Poconos Mountain area. And obviously western Pennsylvania, which political action Bracken can tell you because he's been on the show, is, is Pittsburgh. But So there's a story out of southeastern Pennsylvania where apparently a, a woman was literally raped raped on a train in southeastern Pennsylvania and the accusation out there is that people were sitting there filming it with their cell phones they had their cell phones up filming it but they didn't call the police the the way it was reported was that a SEPTA employee eventually called the police and that's when the police rushed the train pulled the guy off of the woman charged him with rape the story is that the man might be homeless. He sat next to her. He continued to grope her. He continued to touch her. Unwantedly, she continued to try to push him off. And he wouldn't listen. And then he eventually took her clothes off and flat out raped her. That's that's the story. Now, it's circulated. It's become an international story to kind of so other countries can say how callous Americans are that we've become this society where we pull out our phones and just film heinous acts and don't intervene. Now, the Kitty Genovese case from New York back in the 70s when a woman was raped and murdered in a parking lot and there were plenty of people around that could hear it, but they didn't intervene is a, is a psychological phenomenon, right? It's, it's the, there's a psychological phenomenon. I forget the actual word It's bystander effect. Thank you, Cassandra. It's a, Cassandra bystander effect and again guys if you're listening later I'm referring to people in the chat while I'm talking so if it sounds weird if you're listening later in the week that's why so it's the bystander effect I think what it is is like if there's one person on the street and somebody's being assaulted or somebody's having a medical emergency and you're the only one there then your instinct is to help them right but if there's several people on the street then you put the responsibility on everybody else around you and everybody else around you puts the responsibility on you and no one helps. And it's like a psychological human phenomenon and humans are products of evolution and humans are products of nature. So we might have these weird quirks and it's, I think it's more on display now because of the cell phone thing where we have so many instances. Now, what's interesting, let me just touch on this before I elaborate further. The, the prosecutor in the case, the prosecutor in the case did come out today and say, look, the news is sensationalizing this. Actually, the people were not standing around just filming a rape in progress. He said people were getting off the train, on the train, in the middle of it. They didn't know if it was consensual. 
if somebody was just having sex on the, the train, they didn't know what was going on. So they weren't necessarily cognizant of the fact that they were filming a, a rape in progress. That's what he's saying. And he's saying the media is sensationalizing it. Now, you know my opinions on the media and sensationalization. I wouldn't put it past a lot of media entities to run with the first story that I think the police put out and start saying that people were just callously filming it and sensationalizing the story. On the other hand, and I look with my experience, I've seen that happen, right? Just to be real with you. I've seen stories in the news portrayed one way and then the reality of the facts, if you actually have access to the facts, being totally different. I've seen that far too much. That's another societal problem. We have so many societal problems, don't we? Talking about prop guns, talking about murder, suicides, and domestic violence, and now talking about this. But it is what it is, and we are here to discuss it objectively. I could also see the prosecutor saying, you know, downplaying the callousness to try to get more people to come forward as witnesses so that they're not afraid that they'll be prosecuted. So there's two sides, right? Is the media sensationalizing it and the prosecutor is totally accurate, like these people didn't know what they were seeing? Or is the news accurate and the prosecutor is trying to just like say, hey, 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 we know the prosecutor is being honest, right? We don't know if they knew what was happening. Don't be afraid to come forward. Come forward. And it's interesting because the prosecutor actually did say in his press conference earlier today, he did say there's no law. There's no law that says that you have to intervene when somebody else is being assaulted. You can't be prosecuted for not helping somebody. As sad as and sick as that might sound to some of us, that's the truth. There's no law in that jurisdiction and in most jurisdictions that requires you, that requires you to intervene. If you remember, there's a, it's called the Good Samaritan Law that was in Seinfeld. It was a big thing in the Seinfeld, the last Seinfeld episode. So there is no law. So we don't know what happened. But I'll tell you this, right? In general, in general, I don't know. Have have we become more of a have we become more of a callous, voyeuristic society or have humans always been that way? And now we just have the technology to capture it. Right. Because you'd be lying to yourself if you didn't say that there was a increase in people filming terrible incidents and filming terrible situations that happen and not doing anything but just filming it right you have all these things on youtube when we were young we had the napster and and limewire and you could download it was terrible some of the things i've seen as a young kid in my teenage years because of what was available on the internet what people not just in america by the way what people around the world filmed happening to other people and it seems like now, you know, you have film of, of teenagers jumping other teenagers, beating them senselessly, robbing them, fights that break out all across the country, people being assaulted and filming. Have we always been like that? And now the technology is just shedding light on it? Or is that a new phenomenon because we're socially more disconnected because of technology? And because of animosity and because we see everything through a screen, you go to a concert, you watch it through your phone screen, even though when you and I'm guilty of some of it. Right. But even when if you film a concert and then you post, it, you can't even hear it clearly on the video. So it's not worth posting. Just watch it. But we do this now. We film everything. Is it a societal illness that we now have or is it just, you know, showing us more of what we've always been?
as humans. It's an interesting and troubling thing to reflect upon, right? And I just hope the individual who assaulted the woman in southeastern Pennsylvania is brought to justice. He is innocent until proven guilty, and the facts will come out, and the court will take its course, and we will see what happens. But it's a troubling, troubling story, and it continues to turn and weave. And unfortunately, we are on the international stage, apparently because of our callousness. We've got to do better with that. And guys, it starts with you. Just go to a ball game, go to a movie, go outside, talk to your neighbors. And I'm going to bring Marcellus on. He's going to talk about how you can get involved in, you know, urban farming, agriculture, community activities, community togetherness can can alleviate some of the stuff we're going through. We've really got to make a better and concerted effort to get there. No matter how you look at any of these tragic situations in the news, it's callous and it's it's scary. The final current event I'll talk about, and then I'm going to bring our guest on. The final current event is this uh this abortion law in Texas. So it was halted finally at first because the feds now. So initially, remember I told you individual citizens and, and abortion groups had brought the lawsuit and the Supreme Court said, you know, you we don't know that you have standing. So we're not going to pause the law. We're going to allow the law to keep going, send it back to the lower court for further proceedings. And if you have a challenge that works its way to us again, we'll hear it. Well, then the federal government, Joe Biden's attorney general, Merrick Garland, they filed a challenge to the law and a federal judge in the lower courts put the law on hold again. This is the ridiculous law where individual citizens can have a cause of action to sue any woman who has an abortion or anybody who helps that woman have an abortion to the tune of ten thousand dollars. Again, showing how mean and twisted the society has really gotten. The feds filed the lawsuit. They put the law on hold. But now the Supreme Court again, the Supreme Court again has allowed the law to continue. They scheduled oral arguments for November 1st on the law. But they allowed it to continue. And Justice Sotomayor, in her dissent to the decision to allow it to continue, said, what are you doing, right? What are they doing, guys? Again, my personal opinion, but what are they doing? What are they doing? You have a a law in Texas that gives a cause of action to individuals to sue women to have a, who are having abortions or anybody who helps them for 10 grand. You may well determine at a later date, you may well determine when you have arguments on this, you may well determine that the law is actually unconstitutional. You may determine that, yet you're allowing it to continue in the meantime. So all these women that may want an abortion because it's the best decision for them personally, it's the best decision for their family, it's the best decision between them and their doctor, you are going to disallow them, not allow them, To have that abortion in the meantime, how mean, callous, twisted, and backwards is that? And LK in the chat says they're going to overturn Roe v. Wade. Well, I have to say, I don't know if they're going to, but if there's any indication of them continuing to let this law progress on different rationales every time, 
they might be a good chance they're going to overturn a significantly undercut Roe v. Wade. That is terrifying. Now, I'm somebody who you've heard me before, right? I don't think all progress is necessarily always in the best interest. Some strides we made, sometimes we could reflect upon them and say, well, maybe that wasn't the best course of action. And we've seen it before in American history, right? We've seen it before in American history with, say, separate but equal. Separate but equal was considered such a profound progressive thing, not progressive, but an advancement. And we know that that was a terrible idea and that later it was rescinded and segregation was outlawed, rightfully so. So not everything we do is always the best. But abortion, the individual right of a woman to make decisions about her body with her doctor is about as rational, objective, and 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 rightfully progressive as you can get. The fact that we might have the highest court in the land who's already decided this issue in Roe v. Wade, the court is supposed to act like it's always been one entity, right? People don't necessarily know this, but the court is supposed to act like no matter how many justices have changed hands since 1792, whatever, no matter how many justices, the court is the court. And when the court makes a decision, unless it's egregiously wrong and you have serious reasons to go against stare decisis, you stick with the decision the court had issued previously. And to go backward on something like Roe v. Wade is insane. Here's the problem with it. Like I've said, it could threaten to undermine the sovereignty of the court, right? If the court is nothing but a political hand that just goes with the whims of whoever appointed them, and if the court does not respect the prior decisions of prior Supreme Courts decades earlier and simply goes back on it and states on their whim can just switch laws and get around the the law of the land whenever they choose because some president came in and appointed some conservative or some liberal to the court and now they can go back on it, then what good is the court? And if you don't have faith in the court as a society, look, as a society, as a society that clings together, that has the rule of law, that has societal boundaries that we all adhere to to keep us all safe in a stable society, If you don't have the mechanisms and the institutions and people don't believe in them, then you erupt into chaos, anarchy, civil war. Across the globe, we see it every year. We see chaos, violence, unrest. People are not safe. Children are not safe. There's destruction. There's chaos. There's terror because the institutions that people rely upon to follow, to keep order, fail. And if the Supreme Court fails to uphold its sovereignty, we are in deep, deep trouble. So that's something to keep an eye on. It's scary. The last thing is uh, Trump. He started uh, he's starting his own media thing called Truth or something like if you (laughs) everything I stand for is objectivity, truth. And you got a guy who's like a bald-faced liar who does so much to contribute to the unrest and the problems in this society, who has done so much to undermine our democracy, who fermented the the fires of the insurrection on January 6th, who, by the way, 
Steve Bannon has now been held in contempt by Congress, and if the AG decides to charge him, maybe he'll do jail time because he's been held in contempt because he's not responding to the committee on January 6th. Steve Bannon, another one of these model citizens, and I say that sarcastically, he's been held in contempt by Congress, and hopefully he's brought to justice for being in contempt of Congress. He's refused to cooperate. But you got Trump starting a starting a network of his own for truth or whatever. It's just some mechanism for him to push more fake news, more lies, more misinformation into society. We constantly talk about it and society talks about it. 60 Minutes talks about it. The media talks about it. The whistleblowers talk about it. What do we talk about? We talk about the problem of misinformation and algorithms that push misinformation and algorithms that push divisiveness, causing a, a crisis of democracy. And what does Trump do? He creates another thing that fuels those flames. If there was a comic book silly action movie villain, a Bond villain, if ever, it's Donald J. Trump and his nonsense. What a terrible person. I hope his media company fails. That's my personal opinion, but I hope it fails. We don't need more of that crap. But look, on a brighter night, no, I'm going to take a quick break. I'm going to let this music play. It's great music. I'm going to actually rewind it to one of my favorite tracks. And when I come back, we're going to bring Marcellus Counts on here. I really, I'm really excited for this. And my little bit of pontification about what angers me is going to fade away because this dude is really an interesting cat and a dope dude. And I really can't wait to you guys and myself get a little education on, on what he's about. So I will be right back. I'll get him on the phone. Thanks for staying with me. Thanks for joining me. Looking forward to it. Be right back. Please leave your message for Not getting 718915 Put the music back on. Sometimes people have issues pop up. I don't know. Marcellus is a beekeeper in Newark. Actually does a lot of agriculture. Um... He's actually one of the first beekeepers in the area, and he started up his own company, Apiary in the Sky, which uh, raises bees and raises beehives and things of that nature. It's really, really dope. Um, but I don't know what's what the issue is. I don't know if he changed his number or what. If he doesn't get in contact with me, you guys are welcome to call in the meantime. Any of you guys can call about any issue I talked about, talk about anything you want to get on the cast. I got I got no Rick, a.k.a. God's dog. He's not here. I don't have the guest. Uh, anybody else want to give me a call? Give me a call. Anybody else want to talk? Talk. I don't care what you want to talk about. You should want to talk about what I just talked about, whatever, because now I got time. So now I'm chilling with you guys just uh, discussing whatever goes on. I could sign off. Or I could kick it with you guys a little longer. It's up to you. It's been a long week. I love, you know, look, when you're on this show, right, you come on, you're going live, and, you know, a lot of things have to go right. You don't want to mess anything up. You keep, you know, some notes if you can. You're going to go off the cuff. You don't want to say anything wrong. You don't know who's going to call. You don't know if they're unpredictable. You don't know how it's going to go, right? And it's nice to have people listening and in the chat and around who got your back. So at least I can go back and forth with Breezy 
you know, to kind of take the, the edge off here and kind of be present with you guys, you know. If there's any other topics you want me to talk about, just type them in the chat. I'll, I'll address other things. I mean, I got time. I, I can get off and just have a nice, clean, short show. Um, or I could keep talking. It's up to you guys. I hope you like the playlist. I was very proud of this playlist. I love this playlist. It just put me in a good zone, a good vibe, a good place. And I thought it was dope. So, you know. Logic and Larry stays good. Look, I mean, uh, I'm sure... There's some emergency or some reason why Marcellus can't be with us tonight. And that's uh, unfortunate. So the January 6th committee. Look, look, El Crane. You want to talk to me about the, the January 6th committee? Why don't you call up? Because you know more than I do. You're more plugged into the, the networks than I am. I, I don't, I'm watching football over here and trying to do Dolphins videos. I don't know what the hell's going on. You, you, you watch this stuff, so tell me what's going on with the, the January 6th committee. You can call up and tell me. Or you could type it. You know? Yeah, I think CLR and L. Crane are related. I'm not positive. Here we go. I'm inviting uh, L. Crane. L. Crane, you there? What can I hear you? Hold on, I think. I- can you hear me now? You there? Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, cool. All right. So, what's going on with the six committee that you know of? Well, they've they've issued a tons of subpoenas. I haven't heard from uh, uh, what's his name, uh, the Trump's chief of staff, Meadows. <laughs> Or some of the other people that they subpoenaed, they said they're getting documents from, but we haven't heard anything about it yet. So there's no really telling what they're going to, what information they're going to get. So far, they are cooperating or quote unquote participating. They're not refusing to testify. Right. right. Um, but one of the things that Republicans keep pushing is that they're not finding out about why the Capitol was so unprotected. And the Democrats aren't talking about it, but it's got to be part of the investigation because my belief is. That it came from the White House, that they told them to stand down, they didn't give them the proper uh, uh, riot gear or or uh, the, the orders to defend the Capitol where they should have. And I'm sure based on uh, what I can gather from the, uh, the lack of um, National Guard support, there was a delay as far as that goes because what's that, what's that general guy's name? Flynn. Flynn's brother was in the... Uh, was in the chain of command. Right. right. There's a good possibility that that needs to be investigated. I'm sure it's going to be part of the the committee, but I haven't heard anything about it yet. First of all, I can hear, hear you. But the the Flynn brother, what do you mean? He was in the chain of command during January 6th? He's, he's part yeah, of the... He's, he's one of the generals that was up there, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So do you know what they're looking into? Have the Democrats that's really talked about what they're specifically looking into or they're just going through the hearings and requesting documents and whatever. Do you know any specifics that they seem to hone in on? No, nothing about that. That's why the Republicans, when they got up there, when they said that they were voting to uh, subpoena uh, to charge Ben and they're like, well, we want to know, you know, why are the Democrats talking about why the, the uh, Capitol was so, you know, not defended. And we want to know what's up with that. And I'm <laughs> I'm surprised the Democrats haven't been talking about that yet because that's got to be part of the key of the investigation is what the hell happened with that. Yeah, 100% it does. That's that's nuts. What do you think Bannon has to say? Bannon just, I guess, ignored them, right? Yeah, yeah, because Trump told him not to. 
So you think that maybe they – well, here's my thought. Like how did Trump and Bannon not have something to do with – how did they not know that the crowd was going to walk to the Capitol? How did they not know that? I'm, I'm, how, how could they not know that is what I'm worried about. I think they – well, they, they, that's, the, that's what they're trying to find out. They planned it. He planned it that way. And that's what they're looking into. They purposely didn't have a police and stuff there because they they knew that they were going to storm it and show like force or something. Well, I was all pissed off watching that because where the hell was the National Guard? But apparently there was a there's a a chain of command to get the National Guard to come into Washington, D.C. And Flynn's brother is in that chain of command somewhere. Don't know exactly where, but he's definitely had something to say about it. Right. Plus the secretary of the, of the, uh, of the armed forces of the Pentagon of the armed forces was there too. I, I have a, I, my belief is, is that it came from the white house for them to delay it as much as possible, bureaucratic BS. And they, they uh, delayed the reaction of law enforcement to come support the Capitol. Plus the fact that their orders were not to carry lethal weapons, not to use anything. They didn't have the proper riot gear. Come on, anybody and their brother knew that there was going to be some kind of riot that day. What the hell? Yeah, true. I agree. I agree. I agree. And, and there were stories that, you know, the Trump people don't like, uh, what's his name, the vice president, because... They say like they were trying to to pressure him to not certify the election results. Everybody thought he was a stand up guy. He's not. He was trying to find any way he could to obey Trump. Well, didn't you hear that too? Didn't didn't he make a call to somebody? Dan Quayle, the former vice president. Yeah. Who was it? Do you remember? Dan Quayle, the former vice president of the United States. Yes. So he called. And why is the vice president's name slipping my head right now? Dan Quayle. No, 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 not Quayle. The, the one, the Trump's vice president. Pence. Yeah, Pence. Duh. Pence. So that's right. I so where did I see that? Pence called Quayle and was trying to find any way out of certifying it. And Quayle said, "What are you he was nuts?" Trying to find a way. He was. Oh yeah, right. He was trying to find a way to get out of certifying it. Right. That's nuts. See, that's mm-hmm. <laughs> scary stuff. And then they're acting like. Republicans who – what's that guy's name, the, the speaker, the, the, the minority speaker in the in – the, Oh, uh, Kevin, what's his name? McCarthy? Yeah, McCarthy. He's another piece of crap. He went out and, like, railed against the insurrection, and now he's acting like – you know what he did? He said – I was going to touch on this. I'm glad you're on the phone because I was going to touch on this because I know you can't stand him. First of all, he's against anybody who even remarks that it's an insurrection, even though he was one of the most incensed people when it happened because he was scared for his own safety. Now he's yeah. mad if anybody even investigates it. The other thing he said was the Chamber of Commerce, which is the pro-business entity that normally supports Republicans, they supported some moderate Democrats rather than Trump people in the last election because it's good for business. And he said they're not with us anymore. And as soon as Republicans take the House, they're going to be marginalized. The Chamber of Commerce, like no, no sense of Republican business acumen. Just they didn't go with us, so they're screwed. Like just a petty school child, that guy. How is he the minority leader? What a joke that whole party is. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. A joke. 
here's the other thing. There was um, there was the reporting that came out that they had a strategy session. Some of uh, Trump's key people mm-hmm. find what they're going to how they're going to plan on putting key people in appointed positions so that they don't have to go up with this crap anymore. They can do whatever the hell they want. Right. That's, and they're going to use it as a as a as a way to get back at everybody who screwed them over, and they're just going to go after everybody. That's see, I be, but I believe that too. It's it, they, they, this this cynical Machiavellian way of approaching things. It's 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 scary. So to pivot, what you you watch the town hall yesterday? Yeah, most of it. What did you think of it? I didn't see it. So you tell me your honest opinion. I didn't see any of it. He was a little shaky. He wasn't as good as, a, as it was the last time. Kind of deflecting a lot of stuff. Didn't answer a lot of direct questions. Um, yeah. He was vague on um, Afghanistan. He was vague on... Um, well, they asked him questions he can't have an answer to, like inflation. Right. <clears throat> I, mean, you know, inflation I mean, come on. When, when the country's basically... When the entire world is shut down, and then all of a sudden there's demand through the roof... Price is going to go up. It's supply and demand. Right. But he didn't really explain that, right? He was trying to futz around with other stuff and talking about his, you know how politicians are. Yes, in the question, they talk about what they want to talk about. Yeah, that's that's unfortunate because remember we had Neil on a couple of weeks ago. He broke down inflation pretty good. Like it doesn't have much to do with the president. And you'd hope no. that the president could articulate that. Look, it's like a boat turning around. It's a lot of, but he couldn't. He just deflected. It makes him look bad. You know, it makes him look like he's trying to lie to you. You know, why do they all do that? I wish one of them would just be honest for once. Yeah, answer a goddamn question. And the other thing I had a problem with was the supply chain. Some girl got up there and said her mother owns a small business, some kind of a decorating business. She can't get supplies. What are you going to do about it? And he's like, you know, we're going to get the big box guys to work 24-7, get the truckers working 24-7. He might bring in the National Guard to drive trucks to get the get the uh, the uh, uh, all the uh, the ships unloaded and get the uh, merchandise transported out of off the uh, docks. So but he was kind of big with that as well. He started talking about big business and not small business. Yeah, that's troubling to me because I feel like whether you like him or not, and again, it has nothing to do with like you want your guys to know what they're doing and if biden doesn't it seems like he doesn't even know the answer so he just makes stuff up that's that's annoying that that's troubling. i wasn't happy with the with some of his answers i really wasn't yeah but the inflation thing they're complaining about gas going up and stuff he was saying they could he could uh, let some of the national supply go so to drop the price about 18 cents a gallon, which is not that much. But it's basically, uh, you know, the, the whole world was shut down. Gas, gas, oil's gone up to over 80-something dollars a barrel. It's been uh, the highest it's been since 2014 because they cut production because nobody was going anywhere. And now all of a sudden, there's a need for it. So, of course, the price is going to go up. I mean, inflation is inevitable with what was going to happen. Right. No, I agree. And you know what? Um I actually invested in Marathon Oil, like back back a year ago. You know, not, oh, not a, lot, a few shares, and it's way higher. You know, because you knew it was going to go up. You know, because it yeah. crashed. Because it crashed during the pandemic. Because no one's going anywhere, and now yeah. it's through the. Because everybody's going everywhere. I mean, yeah. basic economics one hundred and one. What I don't understand is this: is what bothers me about him is you know, you, you're 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 
super old. You've been in politics forever. You're supposed to know what you're doing. How do you not know or how do you not know how to answer this basic stuff that you and I could talk about that we talk about on this show every week? How can you not answer that stuff? That that it just bothers me because you're like you want them to do good. And then then you question it. Like just like my thing with the tactics between the two bills, the reconciliation bill and the bipartisan infrastructure bill. I thought it was a bad tactic. Like, why did he go in that way? You think he'd he be- shouldn't have done- we, I think we talked about that. He shouldn't have gone. With the giant three point five million and tied it to the other bill, if he would have been better off getting win after win after win, instead of this whole dragged out, dragged out fight, and Cinema and Mansion, they gotta go. They're just stymieing uh, democracy progress. I mean, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Now, I do agree that some of that three point five might be a little bit too much. Yeah, but if he would have got the one point five, the infrastructure bill done. Passed, then he could have concentrated on this, but he would have had a win. He'd have the country behind him. People would have been getting jobs. Money would be flowing, you know, and and it would have been huge. And then he could have used that pressure and popularity to go after the 3.5. But to tie them both together because of the stupid radical left progressives that demanded it. Right. They're the ones that screwed everything up. This is the, the politics is just unreal. We can't govern. Just can't govern. It's it's just ridiculous. They can't do a job. Like, I want you to do a job. Just what you said. Why not get the win? Why not get the win? Get the shovels in the ground. You're building bridges. You have cameras on the build bridges being built. Imagine the optics of breaking ground on the first Hudson River, New York to New Jersey tunnel in a century. Yep. Imagine yep. the optics. You're like unbeatable on the reconciliation or the voting rights or whatever. And my personal opinion, you shouldn't even go after the reconciliation entitlement expansion first. You should go after the voting rights first. Like you yes. have so much, you know, so much goodwill built up. You have so much. Then go after something profound like voting rights or adding justices to the court. Why would you not just pass the infra? That's his fault. He should have pushed infrastructure first and then reconciliation i don't know exactly what his position was on that but the infrastructure bill came through first but the progressives held it up saying they weren't going to vote on it unless it was both combined with the reconciliation on 3.5 so i'm i don't know how much biden played into it or he shouldn't have done it right after at the same time he should have waited because i was in dc when this happened i was i was on a trip Mm -hmm. actually he's the one who said it was going to be linked together. Oh, then the Republicans and Democrats passed it in the Senate. It went to the House, and he said, "I'm not signing this until the reconciliation is on my desk." That's so all, all the Republicans said, "Are you kidding me?" Blah blah blah. Then he came out like a, a day later. Look it up. He came out a day later. He's like, "No, no, no. I, I didn't mean that. Like, I'll sign whatever you give me." He did it. He did it. He, it was his fault. But I don't think he's the architect. I think he was listening to Bernie. A, yes. I think they let them tell him what to do, and he should have never done that. He should have said, "Give me my infrastructure bill," and I bet you the whole, you know context would have been different and they would have passed mm-hmm. it. I guarantee you. He, 100%. See, what I don't understand is he won the 
Here's what Rick and I get into it about. Like, you know, the gerrymandered districts are gerrymandered district. There's safe progressive and there's safe Republican districts. But Biden beat Bernie in the primary. And specifically, he said to Bernie, I remember in one of the debates, he said, and I thought he whooped Bernie's button at debate because he said, you can talk all you want, but you've never got anything done. I've gotten mm-hmm. things because you're just a protester. And then when the election came out, all the suburban moderate districts and people don't understand it. But a lot of the African-American districts, African-American voters in the Democratic Party tend to be a lot more moderate than people give them credit for because they're socially conservative in a lot of ways. They voted for Biden. He won mm-hmm. because of moderates, not the progressives. But the far left has convinced him that he needs to do what they want because they want him the election. That I don't understand. Like, I really think Bernie was in his ear, like, you have to put these things in tandem. That's what I want. And he did it and took this suicide course off a cliff that he debated against Bernie and said is the wrong move. He, like, listened to him and said, I got to do what the progressives say. That's why I'm disappointed in Biden, you know, because I thought he was a centrist, old statesman, going to do what's right. And all of a sudden, this guy just takes a cue right out of Bernie's handbook. And now he might not get any of this stuff. I don't get it. Yeah, you're you're 100% right. Like I said, I wasn't sure about that. But if that's what happened, absolutely the worst mistake he ever made. It was dumb. And you're right about the Voting Rights Act. That has got – they. here's the deal. I think they're going to threaten to stop the filibuster. Now, here, Manchin got his head handed to him because he's the one – that was the architect of what was the last bill that just got defeated? Um, uh, oh, what was it? Wait, you mean just just getting rid of the, the filibuster? No, yeah, because Manchin, Manchin was saying bipartisan everything, and it, oh, uh, then it didn't bring it to the floor. What the heck? Shoot, I can't remember what the heck it was now. It was just like the last three days. Manchin worked on a on a on a bill. Um, I think it was the, I think it was the. Like, I can't remember. I think it was the reconciliation bill, but I'm not sure. I can't remember now. But it was his bill because he said that you have to have Republican support. It's gonna the only way we're gonna do it. I, you know, he lowered it down, and they voted not even to discuss. They lost forty nine to fifty one. Right, made him right. look like an ass. Wait, so wait, a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Rewind. He was the architect of a bill. It lost forty nine to fifty one. Who went against him? Cinema? I don't know which which one Democrat did. Let me see if I can find this real quick. You you can I take your time because I can edit this later. I'll actually want to hear this. I can't hold on one second. He just got to be he he because he's always talking about, you know, we have to have Republican support. It's gotta be bipartisan. Everything's gotta be bipartisan. You know, you have to have Republican support. I'm not going to do it without Republican support. Find it. You got time. It's okay. You're 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 holding it down because the guest is the one who messed up, not you. So so you can take your time. Just find it. I'll edit it later. The seven people on here know that who who was the one who was helping me out. I think it was uh, what what the hell did he do, man? Well, I believe it because he's been he's been. Just a lot of nonsense. You know, he says he cares about fiscal responsibility. Then he's just trying to gut the climate stuff like it's that's not fiscal responsibility. That's gutting climate because you have you know, you're in the pocket of the coal lobby. That's not the same thing. You know, it was the voting rights thing. That's right. He changed the voting rights bill 
and he said he was going to do it with Republicans, and they 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 didn't even bring it up to a, a to a discussion. It was defeated, and Manchin uh, backed the Freedom to Vote Act, less expansive than the Democrats' previous push for the for the uh, for the other two bills or three bills they're trying to push, and he right. just got right. his head handed to him. And so they're going to now. Biden already says he's going to talk about the filibuster, so. They're looking to carve out a section of the filibuster for Voting Rights Act. And I think, that, you know, I hope to God they do, because that's the only thing that's going to save this country. Because if they don't, the Republicans who are about 40, represent about 47 million people less than the Democrats are going to take over. And they're already starting to take over because they're gerrymandering the crap out of everything. How terrible is that? 47 million less and they have all this power. It's ridiculous. And the voting rights is probably it's not a coincidence that every jurisdiction where Republicans lost all of a sudden they're passing these massive voter restriction laws and getting away they're doing it to restrict the democratic vote it's obvious and they've already charged they've already been sued in Texas because they've already redone the districts there and the Latinos and minorities there sued because they not gonna have any representation. They've already carved it up where they they just they can't win no matter what because they take a piece of the heavily democratic section and stick it with you know a whole bunch of rural crap that's all Republican so they don't have a chance in hell. It's crazy. It really is. It really is crazy. It's a terrible situation. It really is. Mm-hmm. It really. Is. I appreciate your perspective there, uh, LK CLR. Why? Do, how come sometimes it's CLR and sometimes it's LK? I logged in on my. Uh, on my tablet through Facebook, I saw on there, which is CLR. And then when I was, I was doing something on the computer, so I logged on my phone, which went to LK, my uh, email. That's good. I got more right, so right. people. I appreciate, I appreciate you picking up the slack because we had a no-show tonight. I appreciate it. I'm going to wind down, but uh, thanks for coming on and uh, talking about all those things. It helped me out because I haven't seen it in a while. So. No problem. All right. I always something to talk about. Yeah, I'll see you next weekend too. I'm not gonna next week. I'll see you next weekend though. Okay. All right. I don't know what you're eating. What are you eating? It's in a bowl. What is? <laughs> I I just had to have some pasta. I had uh, pasta with my cheap famous. Famous. All right. All right. So my Italian credentials will never be uh, disputed on here. All right. All right. I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. All right. Bye. All right, guys. I uh, I apologize for the the guest not coming on, but I want to thank uh, LK CLR for coming on and uh, providing a lot of insight. And that was that was a good conversation. I think it added a lot to the show. To be honest, you know what I was going to say before that I forgot to say actually when I was going through my whole soliloquy about you know I'm trying to make myself something. I'm trying to be relevant all the time. Was I was going to talk about the picture I took? Right. I took a picture the other day and I put it on Instagram and it's funny because some people want to say, look, you know, they want to say, Oh, I'm not, uh, I'm not, uh, humble or I'm, I'm full of myself or I have a inflated image and blah, blah, blah. Look, am I confident in myself and the things I do? And am I that way with, let me just put the intro song back on while I close out. Cause it's a dope song. Prince pink cashmere, just a dope song. But, um, 
Am I confident in myself and proud of the fact that I consistently am out here doing things that a lot of people are not doing? Yes. Am I confident in myself because I'm always grinding? Yes. But there's a humility in me that I know I'm not really anybody or anything that special at the end of the day. I'm just another man who just has the guts to speak what we're all saying. That's all. I'm just a vessel for everybody else. And I was going to say how I posted a picture the other day of my cat sitting on a couch. It's all scratched up, looking out at the skyline. People are like, damn, that's a dope spot. That looks like a chill spot. Nice view, all this other stuff. Look, I bet it is. If it's a nice view when it's a dope spot, that's cool. But make no mistake, that's just my spot. I didn't doctor it up or pretty it up for people to see. That's just how I live. And if you like it, then that's just because you like how I live. That's it. It's not me trying to exaggerate who I am. I I don't do that. Because in a lot of ways, I'm a humble dude. Still trying to be relevant. And it's just interesting because you see, I had a little mishap. I'm sure Marcellus had some kind of issue where he couldn't be here. So... We picked up the slack, but who picked up the slack? It's a family member. And they they went with me back and forth, and that's it. That's authentic, right? He's crushing some pasta right now at uh, 10 o'clock on a Friday. And so you know when I post my pasta and who I am, that's real. That's all real. That's me. If you like what I put out there in the social media stratosphere and you like what I put out there in media... The art I put out there, whatever, just know that's me. That's me authentically. That's just Larry. And the only thing I operate on is logic. So it's logic and Larry on another successful Friday night. Despite any mishaps, we will keep trucking like nothing happened. Play blows up, we make a play. We Aaron Rodgers on this podcast, all right? It is what it is. God bless you all. I love you all. I will be back in two weeks. Next week, I'm going to kick it a little bit for Halloween with some of my favorite people. But I will see you in two weeks. I look forward to seeing you in two weeks. Yes, Vri, that's a great idea. Uh, we got to talk about it because I'm going to see uh, Chini a week from tonight. So if that's going to go down Saturday, it's got to go down accommodating for me being a little slow to get up, but I'm down, but I'm down. So let's discuss that and shout out to uh, North Carolina and Louisiana, of course, because I got a good listeners in North Carolina and Louisiana. I love you guys. You guys are uh, letting me know that I'm doing something right. And that's that's real cool. A shout out to North Carolina, Louisiana, California, Oregon. Massachusetts, New York, Pennsylvania, Florida, anywhere people are listening to this podcast. It's a pleasure to have you uh, listen, and it's a pleasure to broadcast for you every other week. And I will be back in two weeks. I look forward to that. I got more guests lined up for you. Got more to discuss. I got more current events lined up, and I got more playlists lined up. The playlist for this show will be posted tonight. I am very proud of this playlist. I've been digging this playlist all week, so I hope you'll dig it with me. Have a great week. Have a nice football Sunday. Have a nice college football Saturday. Have some fun this weekend. Enjoy the fall weather. Go pumpkin picking. Take your girl out for apple picking. Do whatever you got to do. And I will see you and talk to you very soon.
Larry signing off. God bless you all. Talk to many of you very soon. Good night. Castle of Sand.